Do you think it's karma that a book that's supposed to celebrate 30 years of Stern Pinball is now ripping everyone off in the pinball community that supported this book? We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about some news items. Happy Monday morning, everybody. It feels like a huge weight has been lifted off the shoulders of Americans right now. And look, it doesn't matter which way you went with this election. I think everyone can agree that now we can all just get back to hating pinball games and machines and debating pinball machines left and right. So here's the thing. There was a book that was announced four years ago by Kickstarter and it was called Keeping the Ball Alive. 30 years of Stern Pinball and it was made by this company called Paperflock. And obviously this was time to coincide with the 30th anniversary of Stern Pinball. Now if you remember, uh, Batman 66 Pinball came out also commemorating 30 years of Stern Pinball. But here's what's really funny about this project when you go back and look at it right now is who was involved with contributing to this book. It was a coffee table book that was supposed to go all into, you know, Stern Pinball and this great company. Now, here's the funniest part. Guess who wrote the foreword for a book that is designed to celebrate Stern Pinball? Guess who wrote the foreword? No other than Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash. So this is so funny because four years ago, four years ago, there was no Jersey Jack Pinball Guns N' Roses machine and Slash never in a million years when he did this, thought his book would come out at the exact same time as his Jersey Jack Pinball machine. I don't even think they were designing Guns N' Roses with Jersey Jack Pinball four years ago. And so you also were going to get a jacket incentive, a, a beautiful, ugly look. The, the art's not ugly, but the jacket itself is pretty hideous, but the art is really cool. It's a jacket with zombie Yeti's artwork on the back of it. So let's read how they talk about this book. Hey, Kickstarter community. If you're like me, you grew up seeing pinball machines at ice cream shops and pizza parlors when you were young. You probably played a few games and admired the art, but didn't really start to enjoy playing until five years ago when the pinball resurgence began. First of all, let me stop there. This guy is like totally wrong. Totally wrong. So he saw pinball machines, didn't play them, was enamored by the artwork. Okay, so this should have been the first red flag that this guy is a total newbie and has no idea what he's talking about, okay? He goes on to say, pinball is huge today. Record numbers of people going to pinball tournaments. The collector market has been heating up. Barcades are popping up all over the place, and there are even new documentaries just coming out now. In 1999, Bally Williams Midway stopped producing pinball machines, and Gary Stern purchased Sega Pinball to form Stern Pinball, which was the last major manufacturer still producing pinball machines. The story of Stern is also the story of pinball for the last couple decades. And then the book, there's a mock-up, this beautiful white book with the Stern 30 Years logo. And it says, presenting, keeping the ball alive, 30 years of Stern pinball, a collectible coffee table book that takes a deep look at the Stern company, the artist, the technical side, and the games. Okay, I'm not gonna read all this. And then it goes into how they're gonna have, you know, interviews with all these personalities. So they, they talk to Gary Stern, they talked to John Trudeau. They talked to Steve Ritchie, George Gomez, John Borg. They talked to all these people.
people over at Stern. Now, I want to call out the two gentlemen making this book. So it's a company called Paperflock. Now, it says Paperflock uses crowdfunding and crowdsourcing techniques to create unique books not available any other place in the world. Paperflock is great books for the people by the people. All right, great. Yeah, books for the people by the people as opposed to books for the people by robots or books for the people by dogs. I, I, I love that sort of hyperbole to get you guys feeling confident about this venture. His, he says, my name is Joseph Rubenstein and I have founded startups in the past, including Polite in Public and Digital Bolex Inc. All right, let's just stop there for a minute. Have any of you ever heard that? Is that is that a testament to someone who's successful? Did he start a successful company you've ever heard of? I, this is what the fascination I have with Kickstarters and people throwing money to complete strangers is when they're trying to sell you and convince you on you know their accolades and you buy into stuff. You have no idea what it is. Okay, he goes on to say, I have also created two successful projects on this great platform and backed many more. I am coming to Kickstarter this time to bring you a book about a subject I care deeply about. I have a pinball machine at home that my girlfriend and I play every day. And many of my trips are to places that have pinball museums or an active pinball culture. Okay, there you go. Joseph's got a machine at home, people. He plays pinball on vacation. What could possibly go wrong? Let me give him my money right now. And then also his partner, uh, Damien Guess. My name is Damien Guess, and I have been working in printing and publishing for many years. I'm a longtime pinball fan, and I'm excited to be working to tell the story of Stern Pinball. Please help us create this book celebrating the art and stories of Stern Pinball. Okay, so this was four years ago, okay? Four years ago to make a book, to make a book. How could making a book about pinball take longer than making a pinball machine? So just stop right there. Now they managed to raise, and this is just an ironic number. I'm not making this up. After four years, these gentlemen managed to get 444 backers to this project. And that's the number I'm seeing as of this Monday morning. And they managed to raise $55,313 was given to these gentlemen who had startups that no one's ever heard of, who only owns one pinball machine, who's been a part of unknown successful ventures, now taking it to Kickstarter. But he managed to get all these stern people on board for this project. Okay, so let's fast forward. I want to fast forward right now and read you something from Pinside's founder, Robin. I want to read you how much this book is going to cost Robin to get to him in the Netherlands right now. So Robin wrote yesterday, I am not one to publicly complain very quickly, but I agree with all of you that this is quite ridiculous. The original shipping estimate on their site was $17, and now Paperflock expect me to pay $125 for shipping for a book, a shirt, and a poster. That sure feels like a ripoff. And after a four-year wait for a book, wow. Considering the additional import duties that I will be charged here in the Netherlands, my total will come to roughly, wait for people, $455. Again, that's just a book, a shirt, and a poster. I'm seriously considering writing this thing off. It's just not worth that kind of money. 
I feel awful for all the folks involved in this Kickstarter through my sticky on pin side. Had I known what a cluster this would be, so Robin takes some responsibility. Because remember, when this whole thing hit, when these guys were announcing they were going to make this book, Robin put this thing front and center. He put it in front of everyone. Robin really is the person who got these guys, the audience, to raise that $55,000. So he feels some responsibility. Now, look, I don't blame Robin for this. It's not his fault. He had no idea four years ago these guys were going to scam the community. But it always reminds me of something my good friend said to me. He said, Chris, if you ever want to go into a business to scam people and steal people's money, all you ever have to do is announce you're doing something around pinball because pinball people are suckers and they will throw money at something before they see any proof that you know what you're doing. I mean, we've seen John Papaduke do it. We've seen manufacturers do it. And now we're seeing a book, just a book, paper, paper and interviews and art and ink and binding. Four years later, they still don't have this thing figured out. And so just so you guys know, back when they announced this thing, they told everyone shipping would be somewhere between 12 and $18, 12 and $18. And now they are telling most people in the United States that shipping is around $80 and that international is over 120, 150 bucks plus import fees. And so my question around this whole thing is this, you have to be out of your mind knowing this company is ripping you off to go in and give them more money. But here's my favorite post in this whole entire thing. So after everyone realizes that these guys are crooks, they've ripped everyone off, this is the one post that just reminds me why. Pinball people will continue to get ripped off, you'll continue to not get what you pay for, and it's no other than our boy Frolic who writes, I did pay because I'm sick of this thing being a thing in my life, wow. What a way to stand up for what's right, Frolic. You just caved and paid this exuberant shipping cost just because you just wanted the headache to be over. And so those criminals and those crooks are now going to get validated by behavior like this. No, here's what I think everybody should do. Guess whose name is all over this thing? Guess whose who's company is being dragged through the mud with this book, Stern Pinball? What y'all need to do is you need to wake up and stop thinking that this guy, this Rubenstein guy, this Joe Rubenstein who lives in a... Basically, this guy, they, they showed where the company is. This is the funniest part. Someone did a Google search of where this paper company is. It's actually the guy's one-bedroom apartment. So imagine if Canada said, hey, guys, I got a publishing company that's out of my one-bedroom apartment. No wonder this guy's a joke. Like, the whole thing is a joke he's got to he's got to outsource everything to be made after seeing all this stuff i would go after stern pinball and say stern like what's up with this like you guys should be just as mad as we are we're all getting ripped off by these frauds and is this how you want to celebrate 30 years of your company like seeing everyone who went in on this book is about to get ripped off and your company is 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 all over it right so this whole thing is just kind of like a funny fiasco i think it's a little bit of like a little bit of karma a little bit of bad juju if it were me personally if it were me personally, I would not give these guys one more penny. I, I would actually get together all 444 of you. Guess what I would do? I would get together and I would sue these clowns. I mean, that, that's the whole point of suing fraudulent people like this who lie to you, who mislead you, who put you on a four-year roller coaster ride you didn't want to be on. Like, I, I, I also never understood that part of the pinball community where you get ripped off. It's clear you're getting ripped off. Most of you guys have some means. You have financial power. And when you get ripped off and when you're staring 
staring that crook straight in the eye, instead of saying, I'm going to sue your ass and bury your ass, you're so you're so keen to forgiving and, and going down the rabbit hole again with the criminals. You really are. You did it with J-Pop, did it with Andrew Highway. Did it, it happens all the time. When you know you're being lied to, for some reason, if pinball is part of the lie, you're willing to accept it because you might get something that's fun in the pinball world at the end of that journey. And, and I'm just here to say, I think all 440 of you should go get your $55,000 back and sue this clown. And believe me, this guy has that money in the bank. Believe me, this guy probably has 10 other stupid books he's making in 10 other hobbies, and you're just one of them. So I, I really would not I really would not bend over here on this topic. All right. So a book about pinball is harder to make than pinball itself. So speaking of making pinball, I keep hearing and my sources are telling me that Led Zeppelin is right around the corner. In fact, I was told that it could be on the line as early as this week, that Led Zeppelin pros are going on the line any day now, and that this game is going to shipped to Europe by the first week in December and that it will be revealed, announced, and shipping before the end of the year. So Stern has their Led Zeppelin cornerstone game will be out this year. Now we've been saying this for a while, so it's sort of not a brand new rumor. Uh, this title has been out there in the ether for a very long time. It is not a reskin game. It is a Steve Ritchie fully original title that will be a three-tiered system game. So pro, premium, NLE, and it's coming soon. Now this is fun because we're going to get to see what Jersey Jack has done with a, a music pin and we're going to get to see what Stern Pinball has done. Now we all know that there is no way they're going to get the integration level to where Guns N' Roses is, but here's where Zeppelin can win. Here is the sort of the angle Zeppelin can take. I think Zeppelin can be a better shooter than GNR. I'm not saying GNR is a bad shooter, but I think Richie, the king of flow and speed, if there's Guns N' Roses is not like the fastest game. I'm, I'm not going to lie and say that. The Guns N' Roses doesn't have the, the level of like speed and intensity that Richie games can have when he really gets that flow going with his machines, right? I really have a hard time thinking Stern Pinball can put into their machine what Jersey Jack has put into this Guns N' Roses. I mean, Guns N' Roses is just special. It, it does feel like you're going to a GNR concert and the energy level and the experience of GNR is where it wins. Again, it like it transcends pinball shots. It's just the experience. The great thing is this, there's going to be options. Now, now, timing couldn't be better if you ask me. I, look, I know Stern is backlogged, but Stern doesn't care. You guys have to understand something. They don't care that they have three or four or 5,000 orders of games to make. They're going to keep making them. They make games every day, 50 plus games a day, because Stern gets paid when distributors place orders. You understand that? Stern gets paid when distributors place orders. And so if customers have to wait, if distributors have to wait, they don't care. They're, they're on their schedule. They have a release schedule of games. And unlike every other pinball, company in the world, Stern Pinball is the only company that actually has scheduled releases that are ready to go every year. Like they have three cornerstone titles a year and they're not going to miss that. They're going to be ready to come out with these games. And look, this is what has history shown us? A game usually comes out like three cornerstones a year. So wasn't it Ninja Turtles? Isn't that one? Isn't Avengers 2? And won't this be the third, right? Am I missing a game? Stranger Things was last year, came out in December. And so the last few years, 
Stern has released a game in December. So I tend to believe that we will also get a Stern Cornerstone game in December and it's going to be Led Zeppelin. So it's good. It's also good that we have options. It's also good that, you know, Stern's going to ship these games right away. So you want to talk about timing and if Stern can get 500 or so Led Zeppelin LEs out the door, you best believe that it's going to be kind of embarrassing if Jersey Jack Pinball revealed Guns N' Roses in October and no collector's editions will go out the door. And meanwhile, Stern Pinball has been able to get every single Avengers LE owner their game and will get every single Led Zeppelin LE owner their game most likely by the end of January. And I bet, I bet that not a single collector's edition makes its way out the door before every single Led Zeppelin LE is out the door. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I hope they get the collector's editions out the door sooner than later, but it's not looking good for this year for CE owners, all right? Now, who's coding Led Zeppelin? We haven't really talked about that. Now, I, I think it's probably, if I were to guess, I think Tim Sexton will probably do this game with Steve Ritchie. He did Black Knight with Steve Ritchie, and it seemed like they had a really good partnership when they made the Black Knight game. So I'm not sure. It's not going to be Lyman Sheets. It's not going to be Dwight. It's not going to be the team that does Elwin's game. So it most likely will be Tim Sexton's sophomore title will be Led Zeppelin. So I look forward to hearing it. The final point I'll make on Zeppelin is this, because I hear people saying like Zeppelin's bigger than GNR. Yes, Zeppelin has sold more albums than Guns N' Roses, but the Zeppelin fan base is older. There's no way around it. If you grew up in the 80s and 90s, like chances are you were listening to Guns N' Roses far more than Led Zeppelin. So the, the, the sweet spot for pinball buying audience is not Led Zeppelin. We've seen Stern go down this road. Elvis Presley, The Beatles, Zeppelin. When they go to older musical acts, they just don't sell as well. Look at how well ACDC has sold. Metallica, Aerosmith. I mean, those bands were big. They were huge, huge in the 80s and 90s. You know, not They weren't just older bands, even if they were around a longer period of time. I bet you right now that Guns N' Roses has more demand within the sweet spot of the pinball buying audience than Led Zeppelin does. They just do, okay? And also, the other part is this. The music of GNR, just the music itself, is so much more well-suited for pinball than the music of Led Zeppelin, right? I don't care if your act is huge, you might not have the musical style that brings the energy for pinball, right? There, I mean, there's a lot of great artists out there that have a lot of like, like Kenny Rogers pinball. Would you want to play Kenny Rogers pinball? <laughs> you guys are, I bet you guys are like, yeah, absolutely. But you know what I'm saying? It's like the music's just a little bit too low energy. It doesn't mean it's not great music. It's just not something that you want to play while you're trying to keep a ball alive in a pinball experience, okay? And GNR is just perfect. Like, welcome to the jungle. I mean, it doesn't get any, any better than that. So speaking of GNR and the experience of GNR, have you seen this thread? There is a gentleman, there is a company trying to sell Guns N' Roses toppers and it's stadium lighting. It's not stadium lighting. It's like stage lighting. It's like these two stage lighting cubes kind of that have rotating lights that you put on top of the game. And it's TNT. It's not TNT. It's not Todd Tucky's TNT. It's another TNT guy on Pinside. And he's selling these lights and they've got the Guns N' Roses logo and stickers all over them, okay? And he's also showing video of how they work on top of the machine, how you can even make your machine look more like going to a GNR concert. So there's been a debate on whether or not this guy is just repurposing stuff he's found on Amazon and selling it for a lot more money. I think he's charging $400 for this, this, this topper, these, these two light systems that go on top of the machine. Now, a, a few things. Yellow Bird, Yellow Bird is 
one of the the most uh, stand up modders in the community. He called him out a little bit. He's like, "Look, are these are these just these things I'm finding on Amazon?" And there's a back and forth uh, debate between the two, where the guy's like, "No, these are more professional," and yada yada yada. Here's all I know is this: I, I don't want to debate whether or not these are worth it because personally, I don't think they're worth four hundred dollars. The part that I do want to call out is this: this company has no permission on planet Earth to sell what they're selling. I hit up Eric and I said, Eric, are, are these like, are you guys like giving this guy permission to put the Guns N' Roses logo and the Guns N' Roses artwork all over these lights to sell them for 400 bucks? Cause they look like officially licensed products when you do that, like you need to have IP permission to do that. And Eric's like, this is the first I'm hearing about this. So you best believe there's gonna be a cease and desist letter coming from Jersey Jack Pinball to protect the IP of their pinball machine and their game Guns and Roses and they should do that they should like this is you just can't stick the Guns and Roses name and IP onto your mod and then try to sell it for all this money if you look at the mods Lior makes he has to be very careful not to do something that infringes on the IP of Guns and Roses and so on just a pure uh, can this guy sell this mod this way the answer is no and this thing's gonna get shut down the moment people over at JJP listen to Canadian Pinball Podcast and the moment this guy hears Canadian Pinball podcast, he's going to realize you can't do this. You can't capitalize and make money off of someone else's IP without paying them any money. I'm sorry. Like that, that really is, you can't do it especially Guns N' Roses, and this game itself, like, JJP will be making another topper for the LE. They will be making stuff, and they deserve to get the money from the mods that they create for this game, not other people, especially if you're going to put the Guns N' Roses name on it. Like, that's Jersey Jack Pinball's right to make that money. That's Slash's right to determine who gets to use his IP, not yours, because you found some lighting system somewhere and you slapped a name on it. No, that's not how it works. Now, speaking of copyright infringement and this and that, so for some of you out there this week and you got a little treat, I was just, you know, I was in a good mood. We're finally getting past all the election BS and I decided to upload something that, you know, I probably shouldn't have just because, you know, it's it's not material that's mine to share. It's stuff that leaked out in the world and it's, it's all the unheard songs of Guns N' Roses that surfaced about a year ago. It was all the material Axl Rose had been working on with the new members of Guns N' Roses circa 1999-2001. And it was just an interesting sort of show where I went down memory lane with this band and, and showed the kind of music Axel was working on when he was working on Chinese democracy. Some of the tracks made it on, some didn't, some are just instrumental. And so for those of you out there, you got a real treat. You got to hear these songs of Guns N' Roses that the world has never heard. It's no longer up, I'm sorry. It was just a little like short term, like flip the switch, give something to the Canadian pimp fan base uh, who follow me who listen to me this is a treat for those who listen to my show the moment it goes up for, for those of you out there there was a 24-hour period where you got to hear brand new Guns N' Roses music that no one's ever heard and you know what the early bird gets the worm it's no longer up it's no longer going up I mean it was just something I'm gonna do every once in a while is let you guys hear stuff now I keep getting people emailing me about uh, you know can you air episode 500 this is the one everybody wants like if we donate 500 bucks a month are we gonna to get episode 500 unlocked it's become the the Chinese democracy of the pinball podcasting world and I keep telling people no uh, the reason why is between those individuals I interviewed and myself and I just don't think it paints Jersey Jack pinball in a light that they deserve to be painted right now and well and I said it like I, this company's got its hottest title out right now they're dealing with quality control issues on the game which I know they're working on 
And I just I just don't want to come back to pinball podcasting and just sour sour like our feelings around these companies that are designed to bring us joy and entertainment and just for me personally and the gentleman who I interviewed around this company we just felt like we've moved on so I think for many of you out there who are still waiting for that you're gonna be waiting a very long time okay let me let me make this deal if if Deep Root Pinball can ship a game by the end of the year, I will release a little segment of that episode 500 that I think you will find interesting, that I think you will enjoy if they can get Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland off the ground by the end of the year. How's that for, for, a, for a bet? You know, it's funny. You could pretty much offer anything up if Deep Root ships a game, and you're probably going to be safe on your bet. Now, Deep Root Pinball, they've promised some of their people behind closed doors now that they will be getting Raza's by the end of the year. And I don't know if they mean this year or which year, but man, it's it's closing fast. The window of 2020 releases is closing very quickly. Now, speaking of windows closing quickly, I want to talk about the Twippies. I've been meaning to bring this up. I don't think in a COVID year in which we all know that there is most likely not going to be pinball shows come March. I'm just saying this. This isn't a personal attack against shows. I love TPF. I want to go to TPF, but I can't see see in a million years Texas Pinball Festival going as planned. You know, maybe they open it up and maybe people locally will go, but there is no way people are going to be flying in from all over the country and all over the world to go to TPF. And so if that doesn't happen, if you don't have a lot of people traveling to TPF, then it makes absolutely no sense to have the Twippy Awards at TPF because you are not going to have anybody who's supposed to get up there and give speeches and accept their trophies at TPF. And also, I've always felt this way. You celebrate the best games of the year three months after the year is over. Like, the wait is too long. I can hear Jeff being like, Chris, you don't know what goes into making the Twippies. Jeff, I understand, and I don't know everything that goes into making the Twippies, but surely, surely we could have voting end at the end of December and have the show sometime at the end of January, early February. I mean, why not? Why not? Why can't we do it? And I am pushing right now for the Twippy Awards to be moved sooner. The election ends at the end of December. Three months? Three months? And I know it's everyone's personal time, but why can't we move the Twippies up? So I'm here right now in Canada's Pinball Podcast to push to have the Twippies sometime in January, early February. If the Academy Award can do it, you can do it, Jeff. I believe in you, brother, but I think it would be great. And look, if it's virtual, if this whole thing is going to be virtual again and it's going to be online, you don't have to do the whole green screen crazy production like that either. Like it wasn't live. They recorded that show and then just aired it live. Now, if you remember, the first Twippies were live, like they were live. And I think there's a middle ground where you can do the show live. The hard part with live, and I, and I loved how they did it last year with the acceptance videos. Obviously, I made the best acceptance video in the history of pinball acceptance videos. I mean, you know, I know some people didn't like it, but if you didn't like that, you don't have a sense of humor. But obviously, if you're going to do it live, it's probably hard to go live for people to accept their awards. I, I get it. I get there's challenges. But here's the thing. It's November. We can figure it out. We can figure it out. Is it too early to start talking about Twippy voting? I don't know. It never is. It never is. Anyway, all right. So that's my feelings around the Twippies that we should move it earlier on. All right. Should we see what's for sale on Pinside real quickly? Just this Monday morning, you know, is it a good price or is it a crack pipe price? Let's see. Let's see. For sale, Tron Legacy Pro. Tron Pro. Check out this price. 7200 bucks for a Tron Pro. That's a really nice crack pipe. Uh, you know, when you smoke crack, 
it makes you wake up and charge 7200 bucks for a Tron Legacy Pro. Not worth it, people. All right, let's see. Star Trek The Next Generation, 5500 bucks. 5500 for a Star Trek Next Generation? That's not too bad. That's not too bad. If the condition's good, I, I would definitely think about a Star Trek Next Generation. That, that game, to me, if you've ever played a game where you want toys and you want fun stuff and you want to see the ball do wow stuff, to me, Star Trek Next Generation probably is one of the coolest world under glasses ever in pinball ever in pinball and it's got deep code i mean the game is really really awesome now it also feels like a mechanical nightmare to keep it going i still love that game that game always makes me smile when i play it this was a an interesting sale item there's an iron maiden legacy it was a premium but this guy had done so much work to it i mean he had the egyptian theme premium had the topper but then all of the armor was like beautifully custom airbrushed in gold and and it just looked stellar i mean it basically does look better than any LE. Now he was able to sell this Iron Maiden Premium for $8,999 and it says sale pending. So this just goes to show if you take a premium and you you put so much into it that you might find someone who considers it to be worth that much more because remember the premium was 7500 so that's a lot of extra money uh, for this game now people have to see the value in the mods you've done and clearly when he listed out everything done to this game uh, the value was there now for some of you out there I, I know people are like you're never gonna get your money back if you if you paint the coin door you're never gonna get your money back if you brass plate everything and I think you're wrong I think you're wrong. If you do a lot of really nice stuff and if people out there know the amount of time, energy that goes into, you know, getting your game painted and getting stuff modded or sort of upgraded, you know, when I had my toad in, the other part that people don't get, you have to sometimes like take your game apart and wait for months to get the powder coated stuff back. So your game is out of commission for months. It's also a headache to tear some of these games apart to make stuff brass plated. So if someone's gone through all of that effort, there are people out there that will recognize the amount of time that went into that as well. Not just the material costs, but the time it takes to put all that stuff back together. That's why that HEP uh, Theater of Magic was such a great buy because you will never be able to do that level of work yourself. And you know that guy clearly spent $20,000 all in on getting that HEP game. So to get it for like eight grand less was such a good buy. All right, Monster Bash LE for $8,040. Now, is that a good price or a crack pipe price? Now look, Monster Bash LE is a pretty brand new game, right? So you're not gonna find one that's destroyed. This is a home use game. Um, you know what, that's what? Like roughly $1,000 less than it is new. Uh, but they did make a lot of Monster Bash LEs. I would say, you know, that's a good price. I do think that's a good price for Monster Bash. Sometimes when I look at a Monster Bash LE, which comes with that phenomenal topper, and the game itself is packed, the sculpts are beautiful, the game is a ton of fun. For eight grand, I absolutely would be in on this title. Because you've got to remember now, too, when you look at these CGC games and you look at them, they come with the topper, they come with the beautiful armor, they come with all this amazing stuff. Stern Pinball wouldn't give you that topper for free i mean stern pinball would sell you that monster bash topper for a thousand dollars and so now all of a sudden these cgc games loaded with toppers are starting to feel like really good buys next to stern pinball because every stern le with a topper now for the most part is a ten thousand two hundred dollar game so i do think that is a good price
All right, let's read a few emails and then we're gonna let you guys go on your Monday. You know, first I don't hear from you guys as much as I used to. So if you want to email Canada, it's canadapinball at gmail.com. I think it's a little bit cyclical. Like the more I read your emails out, the more likely you are to share your thoughts with me. So let's do that. I got an email from Eddie. And he said, GNR special. Hey, Chris, just wanted to give you a shout out from Crazy Down Under. Thoroughly enjoyed your GNR music special podcast among all your regular pinball ones. Was a refreshing change while catching up on paperwork. I like to use the regular podcast to motivate me when working on pins all night. This one was perfectly timed for me. Keep up the good work. Don't let the haters rile you up. The only way they can beat you for Twippy is vote rigging. Thanks for coming back and keeping us entertained. You're the only podcast in my book, unless Ryan came back, let alone the number one podcast. Cheers from Australia, Eddie. Well, Eddie, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I am not going to claim that it was rigged if, if I lose the Twippy voting this year. And Ryan is back on his Jesse J show on the Pinball Network. So uh, if you haven't, you should definitely catch uh, final round too, Eddie, because Ryan and Marty were back together. See, the, Ryan and Marty back together is like Slash and Axel. Like when those two are together, that is just epic. Now, I love Jeff Teolis too. So I think the three of them, they have such good chemistry together. Hopefully they can make it all work. But I also, you know, I love the Jesse J show too. I want to say thank you to David Denholtz, who is a new Patreon subscriber to Canada's Pinball Podcast. Thank you, David, and thank you to Mark Nellis as well. Thank you, guys, or Nellis. Thank you so much for donating to Canada's Pinball Podcast. Um, I really, really do appreciate it. I got an email from Steve Paradis. He says, said, you are into arcade machines as well as pinball. Is there any site like Pinside for Arcades? Somewhere people buy and sell machines. Steve. Well, Steve, yes, there is. Now, I'm going to break it to you right now, Steve. That place hates me more than Pinside. It's called Clav. I think it's like killer list of something of video games. It's such a weird, it's so weird that Clav is like the abbreviation of it because I think there's more stuff in it. But Clav is definitely the place you want to go if you want to start collecting arcade games, if you want to start talking to people about old arcade games, and if you want to buy and sell old arcade machines. Now look, I've never really had a problem with Clob. They always had a problem with me and, and my problems in these communities always come from one place. Now first first off, I never ripped off some kid for Fixed Felix Jr. It's all well documented. I have all the emails from him being like, we're cool, everything's fine, we settled our dispute and that was seven years ago, okay? But people will still bring it up today. They'll still bring it up today. Since then, I think I've probably spent over a hundred thousand dollars or more on pinball machines and arcade machines easily. Now, you know, I've bought stuff, I've sold stuff. Right now, I only own two arcade machines, but over $100,000 in, in games and stuff have come through this apartment, right? Have I ripped off anybody else? Is there this story of Canada who's always like ripping people off? You go ask people how quickly I paid them for stuff and they will tell you this guy is nothing but a, a, a legit buyer of, of this stuff. But here's the thing, the problem with this community in the arcade world and same thing with pinball, if you want something that's really nice and you want it immediately these gentlemen get really upset when people come in and offer top dollar on something so let me give you a really quick example in the neo geo world right now everyone looks at my neo geo sc19 the little candy cab from japan okay now if you ask people what is this thing worth everyone says that it's worth three thousand dollars okay three thousand dollars will most likely find you one in japan that's not in good condition that needs to be shipped overseas for all those people in america who have them they rarely ever get sold and if they 
do get sold, they, they rarely are sold on a public forum like a Facebook or a group. They're sold privately amongst the collectors. So if you are like me and you're not like in bed with these people and don't want to spend so many hours like building these re relationships over a period of years before they'll even let you into the marketplace. Let me tell you that. On the Neo Geo forum, they won't even let you into the marketplace unless they, they validate you, unless you give enough time and energy to them. That's such BS. Like I grew up with Neo Geo. Why do I have to like simply kiss the ass of a community before they allow me to buy some games? Like, hey guys, I want to buy your products. Nope, you can't buy until we feel like you're allowed to own these things. Like what world do you need permission to own these things? Anyway, so everyone will say it's only worth $3,000. Now, me being me, I don't want to have to search Japanese auction sites all day long. I don't want to have to spend like so many hours like getting to know the people before they'll even allow me to see what's available. So I'll go in and say, okay, you said it's worth three. I see that none are available. I'll offer $4,000 for one. And guess what happens when you offer $4,000 for one? Nobody will sell it. And then everyone who says it's only worth $3,000, I'll come back and say, okay, I'll give someone $5,000 for one. And guess what happens when you offer $5,000 for a game that everyone says is worth three? Guess what happens? Nobody offers to sell it. So how is it worth $3,000? I'm offering five and yet nobody will sell the game. We're seeing the same thing right now with GNRCE, right? If you offer $12,500 for a GNRCE, which is what people think it's worth, you're not going to get anyone to sell it. If you offered $13,000, you're not going to get it. $14,000, you are not going to get it. There's a price you need to offer where someone says, you know, now I will let it go. And so when I offered $6,000 for a mint restored Neo Geo SC19, it was only when I offered that much money did someone say, yes, I will make you one. I will restore one for you. I will find one. And his name was Grant Stevens and he sold me one and it's beautiful. It's mint. I love it. I'm happy. He's happy. Now you guess what? Guess what, Steve? Guess who's not happy about that deal? Everyone else in the community is upset because they say, look at Canada. He's ruining this hobby. By him spending that much money on this game, guess what happens? All of a sudden, a mint version of an SC19, people are going to now think is worth $6,000. And guess what? When Grant Grant was restoring it for me. Many people tried to buy the game out from underneath me for $6,000, okay? So that's the nature of this hobby. And I'm ruining it now because I'm. what they'll say is this, he's jacking prices up. By him doing that, now everyone's gonna like hold on to their games more or sell them for really high prices. Because what these people really want is they wanna go back to a time in which getting all of these old arcade machines was cheap. I mean, we see the same thing in pinball. I mean, I was talking to my boy Greg Colton about how much money he he spent to get his games. He was saying he bought like his Lord of the Rings for 500 bucks. 500 bucks. He went down a list of what he spent on his machines. I mean, you could get all of these hot games from, you know, for like the late 90s, like early 2000s for just a few hundred bucks, a thousand dollars here, two thousand dollars there. Now, all of a sudden, everyone thinks like an Adams family is worth nine thousand dollars. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. And so look, but right now, arcade and pinball is hot right now. If you want something nice and in good condition, you're going to have to pay a lot for it. And if you're like me, I don't want to own something that's beat up. Like if I'm going to put something in my home and I'm going to have it as like a museum piece and it's going to be like the grail of my collection, I want it to be in good condition. And this is also why we're seeing like the playfield issues be such a big issue is collectors want stuff that's nice. Look, if two people have the same game, but one's in mint condition and one's beat 
up, which one do you think? Which one do you think uh, a collector is going to want to own? And it's like this in every category. Like if the Rolex is all scratched up or if the Transformer box is all dented up, you want the one that's mint if you're a collector. It's just something about collectors and OCD nature. All right, but go to Clav. Steve, you should go there and tell them Canada sent you. See it'll happen. See the kind of reception you get if you tell them that. All right, and I know I pronounced his name wrong and I'm sorry. It was Huday. Chris, good of you to honor the memories of Huday and Kaz from Pinside. Thought you should know that Huday is pronounced Huday, not Hoodie. Terry Ritchie Huday selected this username because he was a Cincinnati Bengal fan. For what it's worth, the origin of this term is Huday. Is the name of a chant of support by fans of the Cincinnati Bengals in use for over 30 years. Their chant is Huday, Huday, Huday. The chant is Huday, 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 think gonna beat them Bengals. The answer screamed in unison, nobody. Sometimes fans will instead shout Huday to represent the entire cheer. It's funny that this is the chant uh, because everybody seems to be beating the Bengals these days, but also um, it, he goes on to say, also as someone who has a GNR LE on order, I agree with you 100% regarding the latest playfield BS going on with Mirko, Jersey Jack, and Stern. Thanks for speaking out against this Tim Leonard. Tim, thank you for the email. Uh, it is Huday. You know, it really was sad to see the loss of Terry and John in the community. And, and to see the outpouring of support for both of those gentlemen was really nice to read. And I know their families are probably reading that being like, man, this is what happens when you spend so much time on Pinside. But this is all it is, people. We're all sort of a, a pseudo family, whether we like it or not. Like whether we like it or not, when all of us get together at pinball shows, let me tell you what everyone else in the hotel is doing. They are texting their friends saying the biggest losers on planet Earth are at this hotel right now. They, they are. Like you, you understand? Like as much as we bicker back and forth, everyone else in the world looks at us like losers. Like it's it's just that simple. It, it is not cool to anyone else out there what we spend so much of our time on. But to us, we don't care. Like I don't care if people think it's lame. I don't care. Like if I tell people I've, I have a, the world's number one pinball podcast, and they're like, what, what, what? <laughs> you know, I, I don't care because it's enjoyable, and this is something that makes us smile. And and the product itself. It, there's a reason why billionaires like Leonard go into pinball because it's just fun that at the end of this journey is a new pinball machine. It could be a lot like so many, you know, think about like all the people, the millions of people that, that spend their time listening to political podcasts and all it does is make them unhappy. All it does is enrage them. You know, what's funny though, as I think about it, like, isn't that all pinball does to all of us is enrage us and make us unhappy when we listen to shows about pinball. Anyway, I got an email from James Fogg and he said, Hey, Chris, I, I must admit, I have never really given Wonka a chance. I hate the art work like really hate it but having watched the show slow-mo pinball video i think that the shot layout and hap trails look amazing do you think that pinballs that flop should be rethemed cash save for the company also why can't pinball companies just do one version of the game one game eight thousand dollars silk screened to be honest the golden figure for a pin is 68.50 euros so i think that's like eight grand um he says i consider myself lucky i could buy a few nice pins but with the current issues why would you? I'm happy with the mid-90s pins at the moment. Like I said, 
Wonka has all the makings of a great game, but man, that theme is a hard sell. To be honest, I would actually consider Wonka if it had a comic book style art, but I really don't like Photoshop art. Anyway, hope the leg's okay. Many thanks and still love the show. That's from James. So James, thank you so much. Let me address this real quickly. So James, um, we've talked about whether or not a three-tiered model or one-tiered model works for pinball games. Uh, obviously, the three-tiered model is the best for a pinball company to make money. You give something to the collectors that's limited. You give the other people who want the features the same things without the bells and whistles on, on the vanity play, and you make the premium, and then you give something for operators who don't need any of that fancy stuff. They just need a good theme to get people to play the games, and that's the pro. And I think that is the best model. Now, if you want to make only one version of the game, a la Rick and Morty, a la The Big Lebowski, that's also fine. But what's the, what's a common theme with the companies that only make one version? The ones that have been successful have had hot themes and have limited the number of games they're going to make. Like you could say you're only going to make 200 Celts and it's all the same trim, but you're not going to sell 200 Celts because of the theme and because of the game and because of you know other variables. So it's not just rarity that will make people buy your game. It needs to have good theme, needs to be a great game, uh, but the three-tiered model is what you need to do if you want to sell at volume. Okay. Now, do I think they should reskin Willy Wonka? No. I think Wonka had its chance. Pat Lawler takes almost three years to make his pinball machines. You get one shot. I mean, that's always my feeling in pinball. You get one shot. We there, There's too many games out there where a, a flop needs to be reskinned. It's like, look at Dialed In. All the effort that went into Dialed In, you can't go reskin it now. You can't go make Dialed In Toy Story. It's also because the pinball buying community it's too small. Like, it's way too small. We're, we all remember what it used to be. If you're going to reskin something, it's just not going to work. Now, look, Batman did it with Batman 66, but it was at least it was Batman before, right? You could make that argument. Um, and also, so much time had passed between that Batman and the 66 Batman. But, you know, I, I think with all the new games out there, you get one shot to make your game work. If it doesn't work, too bad. Like, you're going to have to go back to the drawing board with a new design. But thank you for the note, James. And the, the, the foot is feeling better. It doesn't hurt. I just can't put much weight on it, which sucks because I'm still on crutches. And I got this stupid knee scooter that I just look like an idiot on. All right. I'll read some more emails at a later date. But everyone, if you want to email me, canadapinball at gmail.com. This has been episode 528. It's the start of a new America, people. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. What will happen first? Will Trump concede or will Raza get out the door? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but here, I just implore all of you, be safe. Be safe if you're watching the news. Besides the election, uh, the numbers of cases of COVID continue to go up and up. And I don't want to lose any of you guys to this. I think it's silly to go out that way. There's things we can do. But do your part. Do your part. Wear a mask. Be out there. Be safe. And, um, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, we'll get some shows again. But I just don't think it's going to happen unless we all do our part. The more we all are responsible here, the faster we'll get back to some of the things we enjoy. And may 2021 be a better year than 2020. I don't know, though. I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of the same. They just told us at work that the office is pretty much closed probably until halfway through next year. I don't know what I'm doing in New York City. I really got to find a new place. We, we, we have to find a spot with more room for us if we're just going to be stuck here. And there's, we're not even walking to work. It's crazy. There's nothing to go do. We're just sitting here, um, you know, trying to be safe. Like we go through walks around the block, but there's just nowhere to go. There's no point in living in a city if you're not close to where you work. There's just no point. I could be in the Bahamas right now and signing into these calls. Everybody, have a great Monday. We'll talk to you soon. Ooh.